Thanks for checking out the Long and Short of It podcast. You can find us on all good podcast platforms. Please consider following or subscribing. We hope you enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the Long and Short of It, the podcast where we discuss each of the games on the Metacritic Top 100 list. My name's Dan and I'm joined by... I'm Lawrence. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome. How are you today? I'm all right. I've had a stressful morning, um, as, as you as you know, as I've been talking you through my trials and tribulations, which we'll, uh, I'll go into a bit more detail of that when we get to the specific game that I've been trying to... Uh, to tackle this morning but other than that I'm quite well for a Sunday morning what about you yes it is a Sunday morning we we are recording on a, a weekend for the first time in quite some time um whether or not that will improve the podcast it does need improving so uh can't can't improve <laughs> um, on perfection we'll can't well, be done there you go there you go um yeah I'm all right um they're very busy at the moment and um we've been sort of planning and scheduling how we're going to do the next few games because we've got as, as I've mentioned a few times we left um, several larger games to the end of the list because we're very silly um, and it requires some coordination um, so we've been sorting that through and we've kind of got a rough schedule for things which we will update you on at the end um, okay so today we're here to discuss the PlayStation 4 title uh, number 51 on our Metacritic Top 100 list, God of War 2018. Um, God of War 2018 has an aggregate score of 94. Do you want to just lead us in with uh, an introduction? Not an introduction. <laughs> I've just done the introduction. Um, your history with the game. Like I said, can't improve on perfection. Um, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, I um, I picked this game up a couple of years ago. I think I... First played it in 2019. Um, I probably played about two, two and a half hours maybe before kind of getting bored and, and, and turning so what it off. What point did you reach out of curiosity? Where did I reach? I reached the section, I think I, I was probably maybe about an hour into the part where you first get onto the Lakes of the Nine. So I'd met the World Serpents, I'd done a few of the bits with Freya in the woods and that was as far as I'd got to um, so I hadn't got particularly far I, I mean I've, I've, I've made comments before on this podcast that I fall off games quite easily um, I, I get bored quite easily and if I find something to be repetitive or, or I'm not really enjoying it that much or if it isn't my kind of game I usually stop playing it which is what happened with um, with God of War 2018 I think when I played it for the first time, I was playing it on my PS4 Pro, and it it looked really good. So I was playing it on um on a, a 4K basic TV. However, this time round, I was playing it on my PS5 in HDR on a um a 4K OLED TV, which made a bit of a difference in terms of the visuals of it. Not much of a difference, but a bit. But yeah, so a, a bit more history with this game than I think than you've got. Um, but as a whole, with the the God of War series, you've got more experience than I do. But yeah, so I played a bit of it in the past, and then went back to it uh, this time for the podcast. What about you? Yeah, as you say, I'm I'm a fan of the God of War series, and my first entry was actually God of War three, 
um, on the PS3 and what happened there was I started playing God of War 3. Um, this was, I think that game released in, it was either 2008 or 2010. Um, can't remember off the top of my head, it's one of those two. I, I started playing it and there's this really, really epic set piece. And before I carried on playing that game, I thought, maybe I've been sleeping on this series. So I went back and played um, God of War 1 and 2. I played the HD um, remasters on the PS3 and completed all three games, really enjoyed them actually. Um, I've also completed Ascension, the one that people have either never played or people quite readily slag off. Which is a shame because from my memory of Ascension, yes, it wasn't quite on the scale of the other three, but it's not a bad game by any means. Was that one on PSP? No, that was a PS3 one, funnily enough. It was, oh, okay. it was basically God of War 4. Um, but it's the one that everyone kind of sleeps on. And I do remember some fun moments in that game. There's a bit where um, there's um, some sort of sculptor that's sculpting, sculpting this huge, huge, like... Um, megalithic statue and you um you have to climb this statue to get somewhere it's this huge uh, yeah and and that was really fun and and that's that's always um st stood uh or stayed with me and i i'm not saying that ascension was um as good as the other games but yeah i think it's probably unfairly treated these days but Ascension kind of led to God of War 2018. I bought God of War 2018 when it came out and it was one of those games that I don't know if I was playing something else or I um, just wasn't in the mood to play it there and then and it kind of went on the backlog and sometimes when those games go on the backlog you don't get around to them for a good few years and as uh, we were doing the game for the podcast I thought well I'll just uh, I'll just wait to play it for the first time for the podcast. Given that I am a fan of the series, I think my expectations for this were high and I really wanted to enjoy this. We will detail how I feel about this game as uh, obviously the podcast progresses. But yeah, that's that's kind of my history with it. First time playing it, I played it, um, as mentioned in the last episode, I played it on my new gaming laptop. Um, so the, the, the game released on PC, um, which Sony is now releasing their games, some of their games on PC, which is nice. And... I was messing with the settings for a long, long time, but yeah, um, it looked really, really nice. I was playing it on my OLED TV as well. I, I attached my laptop to the OLED TV and I was playing it. I think I was playing it at high settings in the end just to make sure that there were no um, dips in the frame rate. Yeah. But yeah, it looked really nice. So that would have been a. So the, the game on PlayStation plays at original settings. So yeah, playing on high settings, I, I really appreciated the boost in texture, texture quality because that was quite noticeable. Um, but yeah, some of the other things as well were, were nice. But yeah, and um, also full disclosure, I have not completed this game. You think I'm two or three hours away from the end. Around um, that, yeah. Yeah, so, and I will, um, I'm, I'll probably, I don't know if I'll finish it today, but I might finish it today or tomorrow. Um, I'll definitely finish this game because it's growing on me, um, which kind of leads us into uh, the game itself. So, do you want to give an overview of the plot, please? I, I think this game is very different from the the original three, kind of in the mainline series that we've we've played um, two of them for the podcast already. Um, but this story takes place at an amount of time after the end of, of God of War three, 
um, I think. And it shows Kratos in a completely different part of his life. Now, with the original three games, those take place in, in, in Greece uh, because Kratos is a, is a Greek god, the god of war. However, this game is based in Norse mythology, so it's taking place in a very, very different environment. But the, the, the plot of the game is quite simple. Kratos' wife has died, and him and his son Atreus, who he doesn't have too much faith in to be able to complete a big journey because his son is, has been sick in the past, he's quite young, um, it's their job to take um, Faye's ashes and, as I said, spread them from the very top mountain of the uh, the top of the realm and as you go through the game you you pick up different things and things go wrong and you meet um, different characters from Norse mythology uh, and there's quite a lot of talk of Odin and, and of Thor um, and you meet uh, some of Odin's other sons Balder um, I can't remember the other two uh, brothers names um, off the top of my head um, and yeah that that's effectively the game, and as you progress, you th th there's a lot of character development in this game, and there's a lot of relationship building between Kratos and Atreus. Who at the start of the game they don't really have much of a relationship, as Atreus was always very close with his mother, and Kratos was always a kind of a tough love father, didn't have much to do with him. Um, and as the game progresses, you see their relationship build and their characters really develop quite a lot. And it isn't perfect in terms of their relationship. There are moments where it feels a little bit clunky. But, yeah, it, it's a very different game to the other three, I'd say. Um, have you got anything to add on there? I've heard a lot of people saying... So some of the background with this game is that um, God of War 2018 sold a lot more than the previous games and was more popular and successful. And it is all of those things. Um, and I think there is a decent proportion of uh, fans of God of War 2018 that haven't played the original games. And one of the prevailing thoughts is that Kratos is basically a different character here. But I don't, I don't necessarily agree with that. Um, I think there are traces of this character throughout the other games. Yes, he is pure rage most of the time in the older games, but there are moments where he's not that and he's remorseful and he's feeling guilty and he's um, ready to commit suicide. And this feels like a logical extension of that character, kind of... Um, where they're digging a bit deeper with the character to see what is going on beneath the surface. And we don't necessarily get all of that, but um, I just wanted to say that, yeah, I, d I do think this is an extension of that character. I don't think this is a complete rewrite. And this game is not a reboot. I know a lot of people think that this game is a reboot. It's not a reboot. No, it's a continuation. Um, it's a continuation. And I would describe it as a revamp or a refreshing of the series, but it's not a reboot. Um, I think that's important to note because we're going to get to some stuff that if you haven't played the original games, um, you won't necessarily pick up the nods, but there's definitely some stuff in there which is a nod to the previous games and some references made and yeah. You mentioned that this game is a very different game from the other games, so let's, let's dig into that a bit. How has this game changed from the previous games? 
Well, I think um, I, I've not gone back and listened to our other episodes on God of War, um, but I remember from playing them, I, I thought they were okay, but they weren't really doing it massively for me. Um, you preferred two to one, and one, I think, got on your nerves at points, especially um, yeah. the uh, <laughs> climbing up from hell. I know yeah, cl- climbing up from the underworld. Um, there are a lot of game changes in this, and I've I've always said that I'm a big fan of games that are heavily focused on story and character development. And you said at the start that this game is growing on you as you as you go ahead. Um, I I enjoyed this game a lot more than I thought I would this time around, and I I've, I've completed it. I completed it about four or five days ago, and. The thing with the original games that we played, there is, there's very much like an arcadey feel to them. They're very much linked with, and it's been a link that's been suggested in a lot of other um, reviews of, of God of War and, and videos. That there's, there's a link with the old games with games like Devil May Cry, yeah. and anyone that's listened to our episode on Devil May Cry knows I didn't enjoy that game at all. I'm not a, a huge fan of arcade games, really. And where this game differs is that it's a much slower pace, and it's there are there are times when it goes quite open world, but when you're following the story, it's very linear, um, and it's basically a game of you're at point A, get to point B, in between point A and point B, story will happen or things will happen, and then when you get to point B, you'll reach some kind of conclusion that's brought the story forward and then from point b you go to point c and continue from there now one of the things that i said to you um yesterday was that one of the big differences here is kind of the scale and the scope with the old god of war games you know you've got the fight with with Ares, who is absolutely massive like some of these bosses that you fight in the original games are huge they're you know a thousand times bigger than what Kratos is, and this game doesn't have that as much. Now there are characters that you come across where the scale of them is like okay, wow. So you've got uh, the World Serpent, who is absolutely huge. But, titan, dead Titan. Yeah, the the the, the, the dead giant as well. Giant, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, the, the giant, and then you've also got um, a fight with a dragon, who's pretty big. But this game kind of moves away from the bombastic elements of the original three to some extent. It, this is still a very out there game because it's all linked with, you know, Norse Norse mythology. But it's more focused, I think, on the story this time. And, you know, the combat's still there. You 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 start the game with um with an axe, which is Kratos's main weapon in this game, and he can you know, use it as you normally would an axe, but you can also throw it and summon it back to him to, to cause damage. And you also use it for, for solving puzzles. But then probably about halfway through the game, uh, you return back to Kratos' home and you get the Blades of Chaos out, which then is a, a kind of a, a nod to the old games, obviously, because yes. those are the weapons that, that Kratos uses. And that's when you start to see a lot more of... Um, more nods, I suppose, to the previous games. You know, he has a yeah. he has a vision of Athena coming to see him, Zeus saying that he'll never well. change. Um, but yeah, th- this is a a very different feeling game to the the original three, 
And like I said a moment ago, I think this is very much a A to B story happens, progression, character development, C to D, and so on and so forth. The structure of the world has changed a bit, but we'll get into that. We're going to get into a lot of these elements individually. This may be a slightly longer episode. We'll see how it goes. Um, But yeah, I think you've touched on the main ones there. Okay, so on to our ever-present feature, Gameplay is King. Um, Is God of War 2018 fun to play? Yeah, there are times where it is quite tedious. Um, there, There are some sections where you've got to do a bit of backtracking or you've got to move slowly or, you know, carry stuff that doesn't really make sense for Kratos to be walking slowly with. So there are backtracking sections. There are, you know, forced speed sections. And there are a lot of things in this game that can be quite repetitive sometimes. But on the whole, I think this game is quite fun. I think it does depend on what your definition of fun is. But for me, I thought it was quite a fun game. What did you think? I think it depends on moment-to-moment stuff. There are some times, as you say, that I find this game very tedious. Um, When you're on a lift and you have four stops during the lift ride to fight hordes of enemies before the lift will proceed. Uh, That's... That seems like a very gamey trope for a game that's obviously interested in realism. I think it's one of those gameplay things that should have been left in the past and it just feels like it's there to pad out a lift ride. And there there are more than what there's more than one of these lifts that have this. Yeah, there's um, two or three, isn't there? Yeah. For me, the combat is fun depending who I'm fighting. Some yeah. enemies are far more enjoyable to fight than others. I love the boss fights, even though they are few and far between. Um, As I loved the old boss fights, they were always the best elements of the old games as well. Um, The normal enemies can get a bit tedious, same as the old games, funnily enough. Um, That They had a tendency in the old games to throw too many enemies at you, and they do that here as well. And... I already feel like this game would be better if if they trimmed some of the fats from the game. Um, it is a long game. It's a surprisingly long game. I think it runs about close to twenty hours. About twenty hours, yeah. Um, yeah, and and I feel like there's probably a really good fifteen hour game in there. Um, so yeah, I, I feel like it could be the fat could be trimmed. But yeah, I do. I do. Generally, I don't think it's unenjoyable. Um, I, I don't think it's riveting either. I think it's probably. Slightly leaning on the fun side, but not overwhelmingly fun for me, um, personally. Your favourite bit of the game in terms of... There are lots of elements to the gameplay. It could be a specific bit of combat. It could be, um, I don't know, platforming, or it could be puzzling. What's your favourite bit of this game? I think my favourite bits of this game uh, come from the character development, which obviously isn't linked with gameplay. So if... If you would say gameplay, it would probably be the combat. I really like using the axe. However, I think the game changes up quite a lot when you get the Blades of Chaos. And, you know, you you do have to think quite a lot with this game in terms of what weapon you're using on what enemies. And I think when you use the Blades of Chaos, they're a lot better for uh, crowd management. So there are a lot of times in this game where you, like you just said there, they throw a lot of enemies at you at once. And if they're the correct kind of energy enemies, if they're like ice enemies, you use the Blades of Chaos, which is um, mostly you know fire. 
and it's very good at crowd control and also attacking enemies from range if you don't want to throw the axe or you can't throw the axe. Um, so I'd say the combat is the highlight of this game, which really it has been for the, the previous games as well. I, I think that the game does all of the games have done combat better than they do puzzles. Um, what, what do you think? This game slows combat down compared to the old games. Yeah. The old games, it's very kind of uh, twitchy combat and you're constantly roll dodging and, um, and, and managing crowds and doing all that stuff. Here, um, animation kind of takes a focus. So the combat is beautifully animated, um, sometimes to the detriment of actually playing it. And there, there's some good stuff in there. To me, when I unlocked the Blades of Chaos, um, I thought, okay, the combat has just um, stepped up a notch. Because, yes, you've got that crowd management. Also, when you're using the axe, to me, it feels like it could just be an Assassin's Creed game. It could be, I mean, we've, yeah. we've recently had the Viking um, period set um, Assassin's Creed. Valhalla. Is that Valhalla? Yeah. That was Valhalla, wasn't it? Um, yeah, so we've just had that. And it feels like it could be a lot of games. Whereas when you unlock the Blades of Chaos, it feels distinctly like God of War. Those those weapons and the way that they work, the way that they've always worked, feels very unique. And they're a part of Kratos' character. So I really appreciated getting those back. And to me, that really opened up the combat a bit. Um, and improved the speed of the combat and made it a bit more punchy. And I just started enjoying it more. So I, think, for me, I think they probably brought the Blades of Chaos back a bit because... Um, well, I, I think that because this game is quite a, quite a large move away from the original games, they didn't want to entirely alien, alienate people like you. Um, because, like you say, using the axe is very different to using the Blades of Chaos. And using the axe is, like you say, quite similar to, to a lot of other games. And for me, I didn't have a problem with that. I quite like using the axe. But... I feel they thought, okay, we can't completely move away from the Blades of Chaos entirely because they are such a big part of who Kratos is. Um, you know, obviously they were they were melded to it to his arms, weren't they? In in the original games, they're yeah. they're an extension of who he is. And I think that if they'd have left the Blades of Chaos out of this game entirely, it would have been. I, I think it would have alienated quite a lot of fans of the series away from I think it's more than that though I think we, we've just watched the Matthew Matosis video and he talks about how God of War feels homogenized how it feels like it's one of the first things I had I've, I've had quite a journey playing this game one of the first things I thought was this feels like um, Uncharted of War or God of Uncharted it felt it feels like uh, the developers take on Uncharted more so than it feels like God of War, modern, and modern, tw like late twenty tens kind of games, run of the numbers kind of thing. Yeah, and and Matthew Matosis says that yeah, a lot of a lot of stuff feels like it does in other games, whereas it loses some of that gaminess and some of that feel of the original games. And I think it, I think it might lose a bit of that personality. But having things like the Blades of Chaos reminds you that this really unique character that you had in the original games. And Kratos was quite unlike any other protagonist at the time. Yeah. Um, it reminds you that it still has that 
identity, that personality. So I think it injects some, dare I say, much needed personality into this game by having them there. If you get what I'm saying. Yeah, I, I think so. It, it it was a requirement, wasn't it? That you you, you can't have a God of War game without those, because like I say, they those weapons are an extension of who he is, and without those being there, it just wouldn't feel like a God of War game. Even though it's very different from previous games in the series, they needed something to bring it back to. You know, don't worry. This is still what you know. This is different, but we're keeping some things the same for you. Don't worry. It's still here. Um, that that's my take on it, anyway. And I think it also gives you a really nice cutscene where he's chaining uh, yeah. the blades of chaos to himself, and you've got the flashbacks of Athena, and you've got a whole section with a boat ride of him kind of reminiscing about his time in Greece because he is still that person from Greece that has travelled to the world of Norse mythology. Um, well, you you, yeah. you, no- you notice it at the start of the game as well um, before you go on the journey because Kratos wears bandages around his arms uh, to cover the scars from where the chains were, were linked to him in, in the past. And the way that he puts the, the chains back on for the, for the blades is very similar to the way that he is doing up his bandages at the start of the game and it shows growth. And... I, I, I can't talk about a lot of stuff towards the end of the game because you haven't got there yet and I don't want to ruin it for you, but there are echoes of that that you'll come to experience when you complete it, either today or tomorrow or whenever it is. It kind of comes full circle, I feel. Cool. Um, okay, I wanted to dive a bit deeper into the different areas, the different parts of the game. Um, do you want to talk about a bit about exploration in this game, how it works, um, what are the gameplay features of it kind of what's the gameplay loop of it in terms of how do you explore in this game well there's like i said this game is quite linear and its story is a linear track but there are parts of this game where it does go open world and the main hub of the game i suppose is getting to the lakes of the nine so you get to the lakes of the nine probably within about two hours of the game ish Um, And it's this huge, massive lake that has a central hub slash bridge right in the middle. It's surrounded by the World Serpent, who is this absolutely colossal snake, really. Really cool, by the way. Yeah, really. um, It it, it brings to scale elements of the old God of War games. And you've got quite a good bit coming up with the, uh, the World Serpent, which I think you'll enjoy. And... As you progress through the game, there are islands all around this lake that you can get to some of them, some of them you can't. And as you progress, um, you communicate through Mimir, who is um, a severed head that Kratos carries on his belt, who kind of knows everything about everything. And he I can... like his addition as well. I think oh, and he me. Adds something to the game. Yeah, there's much needed comedy, I think. Yeah, I, I was going to mention this game does have um, quite a lot of humour in it and Mimir is a big bringer of that humor and that element of the game but there's a lot of parts as well where Kratos without meaning to be funny is which I really liked it's a very dry humor um you know there's a line where Kratos and Atreus towards the start of the game are hunting deer and um Kratos says to Atreus um you will go and hunt deer and Atreus answers well which way and Kratos responds by saying, in the direction of deer. 
there's quite a lot of small bits like that that made yeah. me chuckle. Um, and and you know that there's there's a line where Atreus asks um, Atreus asks Kratos if he can do something with Mimir's head if when he cuts it off it doesn't go well, and Atreus uh, Kratos says no, but I'll let you feed the head to the fish, and uh, it, it's small things like that. Um, but anyway, as you as you progress, Mimir can communicate with the World Serpent because he speaks in an ancient tongue, and every time the World Serpent moves, the lake goes down. So you have access to more areas and the the bridge in the middle of the map, which I mentioned a moment ago, acts as um, it takes you to a portal which can take you to different worlds. So you've got um, Affelheim, which is like a fire world. You've got Helheim, which is the North Norse version of the underworld. Niflheim, which a lot of the game's extras are located in um, and a lot, a lot of challenges. Uh, and you've got places like Jotunheim, which is the the end goal for the task, which you can't get to through normal means. So there are lots of different worlds that you can access through exploration and unlocking, um, you know, runes and stones to get to them. But you won't be able to access everywhere in the game unless you partake in the exploration of finding things to unlock different areas. Um, and, you know, some of the some of the areas that you go to we, we mentioned earlier like you've, you've played this on a on a high-end gaming laptop and i've played it on the ps5 um and some of the environments are absolutely stunning uh like freya's woods look amazing the lake looks incredible jodenheim when you get there is it, it it's it's i don't know it's it's eye candy this game is such a good looking game um, and depending how much you look into it and how much you want to explore will depend on how, how much you get out of it. Like when you go and find a, when you go to the, uh, we mentioned earlier, the dead giant and just the scale of it and the detail of it, it's insane. That to me said that they haven't, they haven't lost that sense of um, ridiculous adventure of the older games. Yeah. That actually the appeal of having these mythological settings is having these elements that are larger than life. And the dead giant was a great moment. Um, and there, there are a few of them um, scattered throughout the game that are just really things that you won't. What makes the mythological setting special is things that you don't see in other games, things that you can't see in other games because that's not within the remit of the game. Whereas here they've got creative freedom to do this stuff. But this is all stuff that has been passed down through mythology for centuries um so it's all they've got all this inspiration to draw on and yeah it's just realizing that and seeing that in game form it's 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 like um that there are a few that i love in god of war 2 which are um I, I love the colossus of Rhodes, and i love um seeing um atlas down in that uh, well carrying the the, the holding up the world um yeah so that that's that's very cool um yeah so in terms of the the moment to moment exploration you you do a lot of um destroying crates picking things up looting um you a bit um, of puzzle solving yeah you'll you'll be opening chests and there are different um methodologies to open chests none of them particularly um we'll get to that but uh, none of them particularly uh, engaging 
Yeah. Um, okay, so well, I'm gonna I'm gonna skip over because I, I had a, a section on talking about the combat, but we've kind of done that um, quite extensively. Um, so, what about the platforming in this game? How, how do you feel about the platforming? That's pretty average, isn't it? It's you know press circle to vault over something or press circle to jump over a gap. Um, there are some bits where you have to think about it a, a, a bit more or look around to see if there's something you can break to make platforming a bit easier. Uh, the climbing is quite slow, but again, things like the climbing, I think, and the, the video that we watched by Matthew Matosis mentions it, that he thinks that it's, um, it, it's a mask of the loading times because there are no loading times in this game really. Um, and I think that the climbing can be quite long and quite tedious. So when you're doing the climbing, Atreus is on your back and you've got character development and talking about things. Um, but the platforming is basic. I mean, you know, in, in the original God of War games, Kratos could jump. You can't do that anymore. This is very much uh, the, the same kind of vibe that you get from uh, The Last of Us, maybe. You know, Joel or Ellie, they can't jump. They can vault over things. Um, they, they, they can crouch and they can go prone, which Kratos can't do. But this is very basic platforming, I'd say. Yeah, this is one of the areas that I think it's taken a real step back. Yeah. Um, I, I don't like the platforming. I like when you have some moments like you're climbing parts of the mountain and you've got the scale of the scene around you. Um, but to me... The platforming just feels like press B to advance, press B to advance. And um, the, the old games did it better. Yes, they weren't perfect. Yes, they probably led to a lot of deaths. Um, but I would have preferred that than what we got here. I would have preferred something that had a bit more of a fail state and had a bit more challenge and a bit more... Um, a bit more... Um, Freedom. I can't think of the word. Yeah, well, yeah, I think so... I, I think I think a lot of it comes from the fact that I, I've mentioned a couple of times that there are very linear elements of this game, and I can't remember where I saw it, but I saw it in a video a while ago that a lot of developers these days are very hesitant to give the player full control of the character or, or, or to give them uh, abilities to to jump around or skip through areas because if they do, they might miss something. Or they might miss all of the hard work that a developer's put into into this one specific area. And if they just rush through it or if they just jump around, they'll miss the amount of detail that goes into it. And I think there's an element of that here in God of War. Yeah, definitely. I'd agree with that. I think that speaks to its cinematic nature. And uh, Matthew Matosis also makes a good point. Yes, it's, it feels like the platforming is borrowed from Uncharted. But I would also say that in Uncharted, you can fall. You can um, make a bad jump, but you can't hear. Um, and Uncharted, every single climbing scene has this kind of epic scale and uh, these scenes going on around it, which again is what Matthew Matosis says. Um, and not all of them do here. Sometimes you will be climbing a dark wall in the mines and there's not much to it. And I think, as you say, it's probably masking a loading scene. Yeah. And... I think there's a lot of this game that is masking loading scenes, which slows it down a lot. And, it, and I think it probably also speaks to that this game could have been five hours shorter for me by not having those slowdown elements that kind of grind the pacing to a halt. Um, 
Okay, puzzles. Do you want to talk a bit about the puzzles? They're quite basic. I mean, there are a few puzzles that you'll need to do to, to progress, um, like things in the mine, moving things around to make a winch work. But a majority of the puzzles just come from, um, like you mentioned earlier, there's quite a lot of chests around, and there are a few chests um, around where you need to hit three runes to be able to access them, and in them there'll be um, one of three um, collectibles that will increase your max health or c c uh, increase your, your Spartan Rage bar, which, which is in this game. But the puzzles are primarily... Just look around until you see something that you can throw your axe at, throw it, and then that's the puzzle solved. Um, I, I said to you there was only one moment in the entire game where I had to look up a bit of a guide to see what I needed to do, and that was in Affelheim when you're inside the um, the main area that you're trying to get to, and you have to break these um, these branches to release something. And there's a very specific way from a very specific position that you have to throw your axe. Because if you throw it in a way that isn't quick enough, then they'll grow back. That was the only time I ever really had to get some help on one of the puzzles. But other than that, the puzzles are quite easy. And it, it a lot of it is just for, um, you know, choosable sections that you don't really have to do if you don't want to. If you don't want to get the extra collectibles. Um, what, what, what do you think? So I think they were quite basic, which I didn't have a problem with. Yeah, I, again, I think this is a drawback of this game. I think the puzzles could be vastly expanded into something a bit more interesting. Um, and actually, I, I, I vaguely remember you saying from the God of War 1 episode, um, there's, there's a part in God of War 1, and I think you'll remember it when I say it, um, where you are in the large, very large circular room. Yeah. And you're rearranging the entire room. To get access to different areas. Yeah, and I remember you saying that you quite enjoyed that bit. And I think it's missing some stuff like that, that environmental puzzle solving where the ent entire environment shifts. I think I, I, I love it when games do that, where the entire environment becomes part of the puzzle. And this game, I can't think of any moments where it does that, um, which is a shame, really. There, there is um, there, there is one bit, well, it's not even a puzzle really, it's more of a gauntlet, um, but there is one section where you have to do a few things um, in order to, um, to to flip an environment, which you'll, you'll come up to at some point soon, um, but they're, they're not puzzles as such, there's, there's another element that, that you're coming up to relatively soon as well, where again, it's more of a gauntlet to keep things going um, in, in, in Helheim, but yeah, there isn't much of that in this game, which again, I, I, I don't really have a problem with. I think my my main enjoyment from this game really comes from the story and the, the themes and the characters. I think that's what really did it for me with this game. Whereas I think because you, you, you're coming at it from not not entirely, but you you've um, you've got quite a lot of love for the old games, so you can see and you can feel where the differences are in terms of you know what what's good compared to the old games or what has improved and what has maybe degraded. Whereas for me, I've played those games, but I don't think too much of them. I think they're all right, but I think because this game taps into more of what I enjoy in a game. I've 
overlooked the elements that you've got a few issues with more than maybe I would normally, if you know what I mean. Yeah, and and part of it also is um, the setting. So Norse mythology has... Uh, I, I did classics at, um, in college and I've always been interested in... Um, Greek and Egyptian mythology and going back even further Sumerian mythology I think they're really interesting um, Roman mythology somewhere it falls somewhere in between for me but I think Norse mythology has always been for me the one that I was least interested in I don't don't know why for some reason it just didn't click with me um, and games that focus on it I tend not to enjoy it as much I wasn't a huge fan of Assassin's Creed Valhalla I know that that game didn't set the world on fire anyway. Yeah, but, um... it, was, it was all right. I think f- for me, I I never studied classics. I don't know much about. I know as much as the next person knows about Greek Greek mythology, maybe. Um, but a couple of years ago, in in twenty nineteen, I went over. I went over to Norway because um, I've got family over there. Um, I'm not. I'm not bloodline Norwegian myself. Um, I've done you know, uh, those ancestry tests where you spit in a cup and it tells you your percentages of, of what you are. And I do have some Scandinavian in me. I think I'm maybe 10% Norwegian and about 5% Swedish or something. So I, I do have some Scandinavian in my blood and I've got I've got family that live in Norway. And I think since going over to visit there in 2019, I've had a much more open view to, uh, you know, Vikings and Norse mythology and, and the gods and Odin and... You know, you've got a lot of people um, at the moment from the past kind of 10 years that are more open to to Norse mythology because of the Marvel films, Um, because obviously Thor is a very big um, member of of the Avengers. And I don't think you can begin to even say that the Marvel films haven't had a huge impact on on cinema in the last kind of 10, 15 years. And I think that's a big element of why people like this game, and particularly for myself, like I said, because there are personal roots to it and a personal interest in this topic for me more than there ever was with with Greece. Um, but I think I think for me, and I'm, I'm kind of railroading this a little bit, I, I don't know if, if you've got a, a section coming up where you want to talk about the characters and, and kind of the... The themes. I haven't, so feel free to go on a tangent. So I think one of the big themes of this game that I took away from it is atonement. And again, it's difficult to talk about in depth with you because there are certain parts that you've not come to yet. But you, you've, you've got to a point in the game where um, Kratos tells Atreus that he's a god. And yeah. that gets explored a little bit more um, towards the end of the game after you've you fought um I suppose you'd call it the last the last canonical boss obviously you've got the Valkyries which are optional but there's a line that he says when he tells Atreus about his past and about Sparta and the fact that he killed his father he killed Zeus and Atreus 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 makes a comment so is this how it always ends is this you know how it is for gods that they you know they they kill their mothers and they kill their fathers and kratos says something where 
he goes, no, we, we will choose the gods that we want to be. And we don't have to be the gods that have come before us. And you don't have to be like me because Kratos' past is, you know, awful. Yeah, it's incredibly bloody. And he says a line where he's basically comforting Atreus in the fact that, yes, we're gods and yes, our kind have done awful things, but we have a choice that we must be better. And I think there's a lot of conflict in Kratos in this game that he he's come to terms with who he used to be. And you, you made a comment earlier that you see elements of a more whimsical and a more well, a deeper version of Kratos in the original games, which I never really saw because I didn't pay too much attention to the story in those games. I think particularly for the podcast, I just wanted to get through them um, to, to, to experience the whole game and experience the story, but not look at it in too much depth. And I think with this game and with, with Atreus in particular, Kratos feels that there's a higher calling to his existence in that he has to pass on his his knowledge and his experience to his to his son, but also to steer him in the right way to stop him from becoming the kind of god that Kratos was. And a, a big struggle for Kratos in the story is the fact that he doesn't want to tell Atreus that he is a god because he's afraid of what that knowledge might do to Atreus. And you, you and me were talking about it earlier that when Atreus does find out he's a god, his character kind of does a complete 180. Becomes a spoiled brat. Yeah, he, he becomes a spoiled brat and, you know, he's talking to one of the dwarves who upgrades your your, your armour and your weapons and he's saying stuff like, why, why should we care about the problems of little people? We're gods. We don't have to worry about that kind of thing. And there's a lot of tension between Atreus and, and Kratos in that section of the game. And it, it, it's done relatively poorly because then there's a complete 180 again where Atreus um, just reverts to being who he was before before he found out and I, I don't really think the writing of that particular section and his character arc there was was amazing but for me this game and this story is firstly as I said about atonement for for, for Kratos but also about the development of how Kratos can become a father to someone and do something that he's never had to do before. And there are some really nice moments, particularly at the start of the game, where Atreus has done something that Kratos is proud of or Atreus is upset and you see Kratos put out his hand to put it on Atreus' back to, to comfort him. But it lingers there for a moment and then he moves it away because he doesn't know how to emotionally yeah. connect with this this person that's his son and i think a lot of that also comes through from the voice acting by christopher judge and i think the voice oh, acting yeah. yeah the voice acting in this game is incredible and i think a, a lot of reviews of this game um you know a lot of people call this game jokingly dad of war um and, and you know there, there's there's a lot of people memeing the fact that creators is always saying boy boy come here boy um but the, the the big element for this game, and I think that you'll, I, I don't know if you'd call it the payoff, but when you get to the end of the game and you, you see everything, for me, it made a lot of sense and you make a lot of connections, um, particularly about Atreus' godhood, because you, you, Kratos doesn't really know 
what kind of God he is and what his abilities are. Um, and, you know, you, you you come across Boulder again, who I'm sure you know will, will come up again because he, he, he keeps showing up through the story. Yeah, I know he's going to reappear soon. I think I'm almost at that section. Yeah, you are. And there's there's some really nice moments between Boulder and, and someone else in the story. And yeah, I my my big enjoyment from this game, as I've as I've said, it comes from the growth and the relationship growth between Atreus and Kratos, and it's never perfect, but you see Kratos change throughout the story, which is something that I just really enjoyed. And I've I've struggled quite a bit whilst we've been doing this podcast for the past eighty something games to pin down what kind of games it is that I enjoy because I've played games for years but I think in playing this game it's kind of cemented the fact that that the kind of games that I like yeah the gameplay has to be quite good but I like a story and I like uh, character arcs and character growth and that's the big thing for me connection that you like yeah I think so and I mean that isn't across the board because you know, I, I didn't really find that too much extent with with Persona Five Royal, which is probably one of my favourite games that we've covered for the podcast so far, and was a big surprise. But this game surprised me in a way that I didn't expect it to, because, like I said, I, I played this game two years ago and I couldn't really get into it. But I think that my surprise with it comes from the fact that two years ago I hadn't played the other God of War games, and I went into this game expecting it to be somewhat similar this time round to the the two games that I've played previously for God of War, but it wasn't, and that's what pushed me on to, to play play more. Um and yeah I'm gonna I was I'm gonna surprised. Pick up on, so I, I know we probably reference Matthew Matosis, the YouTuber, far too much on on, on these podcasts. Particularly the um, Zelda episodes. More than that. Um, Mel Gear as so, well. well. Well do you remember his his um video on The Last of Us and you see Joel at the beginning. I think it's The Last of Us. Um, as in, I think this is the point that he makes for The Last of Us, if I'm remembering it right. So you see Joel at the beginning, and Joel is, obviously, he's a dad, and, yeah. and stuff happens. And then um, you then see him 20 years later, or whatever it is, and he's in the position that he's in. And I think Matthew Matosis makes the point that what would have been really interesting is seeing the change and how that manifested rather than just going from one extreme to another and then you let you're left to to fill in the blanks presume yeah to 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 guess what happened in between to lead him to where he is today um the difficult thing i think for any person telling a story is that in between bit and i would have liked to see um because there's there's stuff left from the Greek part of God of War that's unfinished. Um, I would have liked to see what happened there to get him to here. Mm. What happened to How did he him... meet Faye? Yeah. Why, why, and why did he seriously consider that to be... What was it about her that softened him? And I think there's some interesting stuff there that's gone unsaid. And we're left to presume. We might get some um, answers though, because um, Ragnarok comes out. Uh, what we're on the second of October at the moment, recording this. So I think Ragnarok comes out on the 9th of November. So there might be yeah. some, there might be some, um, some answers to that in the next game. 
Um, but I know what you mean. It, it does leave a lot to the imagination, particularly if you're playing this game in 2018 and you're then left for four years wondering. Yeah, and I think the reason I haven't focused so much on the characters and the arcs is because, as you say, I've not finished it. So I mm. don't know what the payoff to that is. All I'm seeing is a partly told story at the moment. And yeah. I'm not in a position to analyse those things. So that's kind of why I've left them off the table. But it's good that we got into them because they are worth mentioning. Yeah. Um. Okay. So let, let's um, return to uh, what we were talking about. So uh, do you want to give me your opinion on the RPG mechanics? They're, they're all right. I mean, you can you can really get in deep with this game, and I, I'm I've never really been one for well, particularly on modern games. I struggle to not to learn, but to to get to grips, I suppose, with um, RPG elements and upgrading specific items and putting them in specific slots and specific weapons, which will give you an ability um, that you can do with a, a certain button press. Like I, I I struggle with that kind of thing. Um, but I mean, on the basic element, you level Kratos up as you go through and to, to do that, you gain experience points, get new moves, um, and then you level up his armor and then more importantly, um, the axe and then the blades of chaos. And as you upgrade those, you need, um, a certain amount of hack silver, which is the game's currency and, uh, specific items like frozen flames, um, for the... I think that's for the for the axe, um, and yeah, you can go as deep into this as you want. But if you don't, at least pick up the basics of the RPG elements of this game and the the, the upgrading of your weapons and armor, then you're going to struggle because, as you would expect, as the game progresses, the enemies become harder, um, and the, the the fights that you have become a lot tougher. So you need to pick up at least the basics of that, which I did. I didn't get too too deep into it. Um, and again, you'll only get the best armor and the best weapons if you are willing to explore. And there's quite a few Easter eggs in this game. Um, I didn't unlock it, but I know that there's, um, I think it's a gauntlet that you can, can get if you pick up about four or five specific items and it's effectively used the same way as Thanos uses the, um, the, the, what's the, you're, you're not really into the Avengers, are you? No. The Infinity Gauntlet or the Infinity Glove or whatever it is. There's a weapon that you can kind of pick up uh, like that for, for Kratos in this game, which is a bit of a nod to the um, to the Avengers series. So there's a lot of stuff that you can do, but it all depends on how willing you are to go and explore and find it and complete the challenges. And I don't know what you get in terms of items for defeating the, um, the Valkyries, but I just know that they're tough as nails and I didn't want to lose my temper by trying those elements of the game because I I like my sanity see the RPG elements is something I could have done without um, I don't think it adds anything to the game mm. um, and I did as little as I've been doing as little as possible after kind of getting to grips with them I've been doing as little as possible to use them I've probably got an abundance of points and money saved Mm. and one of my problems is the menu system it's just too much and again it resembles assassin's creed yeah and even the colorings of the items legendary um rare, yeah epic corresponds with those items in 
the recent Assassin's Creed games. So you've got... Um, this game feels like it took some inspiration from Assassin's Creed Origins, um, which I think was out before this game, which is the one set in Egypt, which was the one that kind of rejuvenated the Assassin's Creed series. Um, yeah, so I could have done without it. I can understand why some people like it, but um, I would have preferred it. I just think it adds a, a layer of bloat to the game that I, I didn't need. Um, okay, so final thing we're going to talk about is... You, we've talked about it a bit, but is the bosses. And my understanding, based on some comments that I read, was that the reason that the bosses are a bit underbaked here is that basically development resources went elsewhere and you do get a few standout bosses but not to the degree that you got in the older games and I I am of the thinking that we're going to see more bosses in Ragnarok to kind of reset that I think so too and and, I, and I'm I'm all for that I think that's going to be interesting and yeah, I think that they're some of my favourite elements of these games, so it'd be nice to see them come back. But off the back of bosses, um, let's talk about enemy variety. Um, what do you think about the enemy variety on display? Again, I think a lot of your enjoyment with the enemies will come from how deep you're willing to go with learning about the different combat and learning about the different moves you can do. Um, you made a comment to me the other day that when you're in Affelheim fighting the Dark Elves... It's frustrating because, you know, they block a lot, they can fly, they can teleport, and they're annoying. And the the, the enemy that I found the most irritating were those, those weird witch things. Revenants. Yeah, they really they really irritated uh, me. Yeah, they're, they're worse. They're worse than the Dark Elves. Yeah, and there's... um. After I completed the story, um, I went back to, to Kratos' home to kind of complete the game uh, as such and, and watch the, the final cutscene. Um, and after that, because as you progress, you know, you pick up the Blades of Chaos and with those you can um, burn down brambles that get in your way, which stop you progressing to certain areas. And there's a, there's like a hidden tomb that you can go into. And in there, there's a fight with um, one of the big trolls, which is like level six or level seven. And then one of these revenant things, which will also, she will um, summon, you know, those little flying things that shoot stuff at you. Oh yeah. Um, she summons about four of those, but she's such a high level that that one hit from her on my current build of my character just KOs me, just kills me straight away. And that was the last time I played the game because I was like, no, I don't want to ruin it for myself. I enjoyed this game. I'm not going to. Fair enough. Um, I'm not going to carry on trying to do this because I probably can, but I'm going to lose my temper. You need to know when to stop with games, and I think that's a really good lesson to learn. Yeah, and that's why I haven't attempted the Valkyries. There are there are threads online and there are videos on YouTube of people trying to, to defeat the Valkyries to get the Platinum Trophy on, on the PlayStation. And the, particularly the final Valkyrie, um, from what I've seen, it is insanely hard. And, you know, there, there, are, there are people that like to... To, to punish themselves with these games, to really have a challenge. And you can do that with the difficulty modes and stuff, of course. But, yeah, it wasn't something that I wanted to to attempt because you've got the the standard bosses in the game. And I think the final boss is, is okay. Um, 
and then you've got the optional Valkyries and, and a few other bits and bobs as well. But I think overall, the enemy selection and the enemy choice in here is good. You know, you have to think about what weapons you can use on what um, what characters. And there's a bit that you're probably coming up to relatively soon where you get swarmed by lots of different enemies from lots of different worlds in one section. And that, particularly the second wave, I found to be quite tough. Um, but I think the enemy selection here is good and you know it shows you the level of the enemies as you're fighting them so if you're not quite strong enough yet you can always come back later to defeat them and get to where you needed to go if they were blocking your way or stopping you from doing something you know i think there are too many reskin trolls yeah it's already getting my nerves yeah they're, they're, they're so, the ones that carry the big um the big blocks yeah they yeah. can either there's there's two types isn't there there's one that, that carry the big blocks and then there's another weaker type but yes I feel like where there would usually be a boss fight in the old games, uh, maybe not one because there weren't as many boss fights in one, um, but where there would usually be a boss fight in, say, 2-3 Ascension, um, the PSP games, um, they're replaced with these trolls, these and, and they might look a bit different, but they have exactly the same moveset, really. Um, and I'm just getting a bit bored of fighting them. <laughs> yeah. But... But yeah, I mean, generally it's okay. And um, one thing that I do like about the combat is that the um, when you when you make contact with an enemy, it feels good. It feels really nice, um, with the exception of the dark elves, which are just annoying when you make contact with them because they're usually blocking. Um, but yes, uh, okay, we've touched on this briefly, but let's let's go into detail with it. Um, tell talk to me about the graphics and about what you like about them, about the art style about what this game does well, so on. I I think this is possibly, I don't want to say definitively, this is possibly one of the best-looking games I've ever played. I don't know if it beats Last of Us Part 2. I haven't played that on the PS5 yet. The last time I played that was on the PS4. So... It, you know, for, for for consoles, I'm talking anyway. Obviously, you you had a slightly different experience on on PC, but I think this is possibly the best looking game I've ever played. And this game came out four years ago, and again, a lot of it comes down to the tech that you're playing on. I played it on a PS5. I played it on an OLED TV in you know full HDR. It looked incredible, and the art style, I think, really suits the different environments you go to like i said the the, the areas that stand out you've got freya's uh that the woods where freya lives um jotunheim when you get there which i know you've not got to yet and then the different colors that'll pop when you're using the um the the, the what do you call it the the room where you choose what realm you want to go to oh yeah um what you mean that there's a lot of really bright and vibrant colours in this game that really stick out and the attention to detail, particularly on the character models, is it's ridiculous. It looks so, so good. Um, I, I, I don't think there's much more I can say about that. You know, the, the graphics on this game, as I say, possibly the best I've ever seen. What do you think? I think in terms of technology, um, from what I've seen so far in terms of games, there may be games that out there that do look better that I haven't seen in terms of the pure technology I think this is pound for pound the best looking game especially in the way that I played it um, and 
if you've got an even better sort of setup, you could run this game on ultra at very high frame rates and there's even ultra plus on some settings. Yeah. And it would just go through the roof with it. And um, yeah, I think pound for pound in terms of technology, it's the nicest looking game. I don't necessarily think um, it wins on art style. I think there are some games that have wonderful art styles that kind of um, elevate them above pure graphics. But in terms of pure graphics, I think this wins so far for me, um, which is, a, which is a, a, a big thing to say. Yeah. And it's one of the things that I think the game just smashes a lot of other competitors for. And yeah, I mean, what more is there to say? I mean, Kratos' beard <laughs> on the PC just looks... I mean, it's the best looking beard I've ever seen. And uh, that kind of wraps up the, the visuals for me. Yeah. Uh, and and another, another thing that I really like in terms of the visuals of this game is um, the tattoos on Boulder. I think they look yeah. incredible. Um, and, you know, the snow and, and yeah, there's, there's just so much to this game. Yeah, it just looks insane. A, there's terrain deformation and stuff mm. like that. So, yeah, the snow warps when you walk through it, as does muddy puddles and things like that um sometimes the invisible walls in the environments annoy me because yeah. it's a game that's so dedicated to realism but you are if you saw the walkable area of this map it would be a lot less than what you can see yeah definitely um, which, which leans into its linearity doesn't it yeah and it's always a bit of a sacrifice for any game that games have to have their boundaries um there are things that the, the developers can't program to do um of course. program to be able to walk or climb over these rocks and trees that are in the backdrop so uh it would break the game if you did do that yeah um okay so on to the audio um notes about the audio please um uh, well we mentioned earlier that the voice acting in this game is insane christopher judge's kratos brilliant yeah um i i think i'm right in thinking that he's the the person that voiced kratos in the other games right yeah, he's, he's yeah. voiced him in all of the games. And I think um, we've mentioned a few times that nowadays, particularly kind of from about 2013 to 2019, 2020, it seems that you've got the same like five or six voice actors voicing every everyone in every game. Um, you know, the big ones being Nolan North, um, Troy Baker. They, you know, they're, they're voicing everyone from Ocelot and MGS to, to Joel to... Nathan Drake and I don't think I've ever heard Christopher Judge in another game to my knowledge anyway and he's got a very distinctive voice he does a very deep booming voice mm. and you know there are there are other voice actors out there that I'd notice in anything like um I think his name's Paul Eading um who plays, plays uh, Colonel plays Campbell Colonel Campbell um yeah. you know he shows up in so many games you know he, he plays the vault tech rep at the start of Fallout 4 which kind of threw me back a little bit um but I would maybe go out on a limb and say that I think this is possibly using the word possibly again like I was with the graphics one of the best performances of voice acting in a game that I've ever played maybe I, again yeah I don't, I, I don't know for I sure think... but I, I'd, I'd go out on a limb and say that that's a possibility a high possibility from me I think it's more difficult to, to assess one performance against another because mm. 
it depends on the character. And... Games, yeah, and the story arc and the character and games differ so greatly from game to game. And there are a lot of these days very good voice acting experiences, mm. and this is one of them. And it's definitely up there. I think it'll come down to preference whether people say, "Well, it's the the very best or not." But it's it's let's say one of the best in class um, in terms of voice acting. I'd agree with that. Yeah, um, and the music as well. About- the, the the music um it knows when to it's subtle to... the music it's what sorry subtle yes it, it, it it's very subtle and it knows when to swell it knows when it's time for quiet it works well i mean i think the music in this game is good it, i don't find it to be incredibly remem- uh, memorable um which you know we've played a lot of games where the music is very memorable but it felt suitable for what was going on on screen at the time when it did play um, is the best I can say about it. It was good when I heard it, but it hasn't you know, left me thinking about it after completing it, you know? Yeah, it lends itself nicely to what's going on. It's not the focal point, but it feeds into uh, this cinematic effect for the scenes. Mm. Um, for me, I always have the test of would I go away and listen to it outside of the game I wouldn't um, but some soundtracks that's not what they're designed for some they are some they aren't and I think this one's designed to be exactly what it is um, just so yeah, there that's, that's the audio yeah okay so on to our question of the week um, now we've talked about how this game is a revamp slash refresh of a popular series and how it can be difficult to um, to create something that pleases previous fans of the series but also um, attracts new people to the game and is enjoyable for all. So if you were a developer, how do you think you would go about revamping and refreshing a popular series? Um, Big question. Okay. Let me think of a series. I'll give you an example. Yeah. Metal Gear Solid is... is, is now that Kojima's gone, is dying. I'd say it's dead. So what would you do to get people in? Go back to the roots. Um, so for for Metal Gear Solid, and this answer will prove why I don't work in gaming, um, but for, for, for Metal Gear Solid, I feel what they did with God of War was they were like, okay, let's strip it back to basics, a brand new story, somewhere completely new. And I think... It depends on the series. So for Metal Gear Solid, that might work. But I think realistically what people would want from Metal Gear Solid is not more of the same, but a different element to a story we already know. So maybe a game focusing on the boss in the 1940s or 1950s. I think that would maybe do well. And going off in a different arc there or focusing on the, the Cobra unit or, you know, Foxhound from... The, the late 90s with, with Liquid Snake in control of them. I think telling different stories like that would, would go well for a series like Metal Gear Solid. But it, it, I think it all depends on the, the series that you're talking about. And I feel, for God of War, it worked quite well what they did here. But it could have been a disaster if it wasn't done well. So they, they, they really took a gamble with this, I think. 
Um, but that's quite a hard question to answer because I think it just depends on the, the series. What 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 do you think? You, you asked a question, so I'm guessing you might have a, a slightly better answer than what I've given. I don't know. Um, I think I think developers shouldn't be afraid to change the main character, and you can set something in the same world without having that character. Sometimes a character is done. Sometimes their story is over, and actually dragging them back again and again and again does nothing for anyone. Um, diminishing returns is what you see. And I think developers shouldn't be afraid to set something in the same world, maybe even have that character present, but you just don't control them. It's the thing that MGS2 got really criticised for back then, um, having Raiden, seeing Snake from the... the from a different perspective. Um, but I think in terms of a series continuing and being refreshed, sometimes it's what it needs. Um, I think different timelines, again, like you said, moving to a different period in time, um, a different aspect of that world. I think for God of War, they made the right decision to choose. I, I, I like the idea that actually all these different types of mythology exist in the same world and that the Greek gods exist alongside the Norse gods yes. and so on. Um, I like that idea and I think being able to shift from one plane to another is interesting and it actually opens up many possibilities for the series and for this character. Um, so I think that that shift was needed and... Ascension, like I say, it wasn't a bad game, but it was probably too much of the same and people needed something new and this was something new. So I think they did that right. And I also think that they they paid homage in the right way to the original games and um, it wasn't too much. It wasn't overbearing. In fact, it didn't really happen until uh, a significant way through the game. Um, it's always that careful balance of are you completely in debt to the previous games or are you just borrowing certain elements to enhance the current game? Um, so I think that it does that right as well. Um, I would have liked, I think one of my problems with God of War is the over-the-shoulder camera. I don't mind it in the exploration sequences when you're running around... Um, and you're just doing general things but I feel like for the combat it needed to be pulled just a bit further out because it bothers me in the combat um, so that's something that I wish they had borrowed from the original games just a bit of a tangent there um, okay so what notable examples because we we get reboots all the time um, in games but continuations of the same series that don't necessarily reboot but just revamp and refresh what examples can you think of? Um, I've not played it, but maybe you could say the Uncharted games with um, was it the Lost Legacy, the one that you play as the the female protagonist? Yeah, so you play as Chloe in that game um, alongside uh, Naomi. Yeah, and yeah, it gives you a, a different perspective. And actually, Nathan Drake doesn't feature at all in that game. And I think that game that game is pretty good actually and and maybe not as doesn't reach the highs of the other games but 
it, it suggests that there's still life in the series beyond Nathan Drake. Um, so yeah, that was a good example. I think another one that you could use is the Assassin's Creed games as well. Um, not to, you know, completely similar standard, but what, what they did was when they released Syndicate, which was the, the game based in Victorian London, Ubisoft received quite a bit of pushback from fans saying, look, you've not really changed anything. You know, for, for a few years now, you had Unity the year before that, I think, which was the French Revolution. You had Rogue, which didn't really do anything new. Black Flag, which did. And then 3, 2, 1, and, you know, the Ezio collection in the in the realm of 2 didn't. But then they took a year off and they made Orange, Origins, didn't they? And yeah. I think that... I've not played Origins. I've only played Odyssey and a bit of Valhalla. But they completely... Not completely, but somewhat redid the scope of what Assassin's Creed was, and I think it did it the world of good. Um, yeah. I think Odyssey is quite mixed in terms of feedback. I, What I played of Odyssey, I quite enjoyed, um, and I played a bit of... Yeah, I, I like Odyssey. I, I I think Origins is really, really good. It might, it's, it's in the running for best Assassin's Creed game, probably alongside Black Flag. Um, yeah, for me. And then Valhalla yes. is just fine. I think again, I think I, they I've need got bored of it. Refresh, actually, funnily enough, probably. Um, that that's what happens when you're playing with a game series that you've been, you know, adding to since 2006. Probably the most famous example of this is Resident Evil Four. Um, very bold departure from the previous games, and um, it it reminds me. I see a lot of parallels between God of War 2018 and Resident Evil 4, funnily enough. Um, Resident Evil 4 is one of my favourite games. Um, but yes, I think that completely re-energised the series at the time. And then Resident Evil 7 went on to re-energise yeah. the series again by bringing it into the first person, focusing it back on the horror. Um, yeah, lots of games do it. But obviously, there's a different approach for each one. But I just thought it would be an interesting question. Okay, so we're 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 coming to the end of this rather long episode. Does God of War 2018 deserve to be on the list? Yes, I. As you may have picked up through the duration of this episode, I really liked this game, and I was surprised. I was surprised by that because I wasn't expecting to dislike it, but I was just expecting it to be run of the numbers mess, same as what I was with the the other God of War games. Um, I can't remember what I said about whether or not I thought those two deserved to be on the list or not. Um, but yeah, I liked this game a lot. And a lot of that comes from the big tangent that I went on earlier, talking about the, the characters and the growth and the, the themes and stuff. But as a, as a whole, I thought this game was great. Um, I really enjoyed it. And I'm, I'm probably not going to go back and you know platinum it or anything because I don't hate my life. Um, but I think it's made me interested to potentially pick up Ragnarok when it comes out. Probably not straight away because I don't want to be paying £65, £70 for a, for a brand new game. I think it's outrageous, but I probably will pick it up um, when it comes down in costs a bit and I'll look forward to playing it because if it's a continuation of this, which I imagine it will be, I think that I'll quite enjoy it. So yeah, I'd, I'd say that it deserves to be here. Um I might, I might even argue that I think this game should be slightly higher than where it is. But yeah, I think it's 
it's safely on the list for me. What do you think? I, I feel this answer will be slightly more interesting. So I've had an interesting journey with this game. I think it started off very strong. I think um, the stuff at the beginning um, with kind of uh, cremating your wife and then uh, the fight with the stranger, Balder, is great. It's brilliant. It's a really strong start and it's very interesting and intriguing and this new setting breathes some life into the series. And then I feel like the game slowed to a crawl for hours what felt like hours um and it's only since probably fairly recently that i felt like it started to pick up again um probably since you got to the top of the mountain it started to really um pick up for me in terms of the pacing um this is a game i wanted to love i think that's part of the reason why i waited so long to play it in terms of i wanted playing it on the list to be my first time playing it and probably because of that and because of the critical acclaim I had really quite high expectations of what it was and it hasn't met all those expectations there are there is with certain tweaks I think a better game in here um, and maybe Ragnarok will, will make those tweaks and I hope it does and I also think probably it could do with being a bit shorter I think as of right now, um, having not completed it yet and not seeing where it goes, I'm going to say it's not on the list yet for me. Okay. But um, it, it may, once I've completed it, I may reassess. So I will let you know once I've completed it. It may not be in the next episode, but by the time we get to... Um, I mean, I will complete it within the next few days, but I will give uh, some feedback by the time we get to our rating episode where we rank the games. Mm. That will be an appropriate time to say whether or not, actually, I do think it deserves to be there or not. Yeah. Um, so for me, not at the moment, but that's not a closed book. And as I say, it is growing on me and I'm starting to get into it more finally. But there was just a very, what felt like a long period. It felt like a bit of a grind and I didn't really... I just couldn't get into it. It just didn't hook me. Um, but I certainly, certainly, there are games on that on this list that I am not a fan of. This is not one of those games. It's a, it's a good game, but I'm deciding whether it's a great game. Yeah, that's fair enough. Some sometimes it does take a bit longer, and, and maybe you won't come to that conclusion, and that that's fine. Uh, yeah. But I, I think I think this is one of the rare occasions where you and me have disagreed. Not not entirely on the premise of it, but I think it's one of the rare occasions where we've disagreed on whether something deserves to be here or not. So that's interesting. Yeah, sometimes we disagree, but it's more it's closer, isn't it? Yeah. Whereas this may be further, but we don't know yet. Mm. It will all, all in due time. We'll find out. Yeah. So as uh, as I mentioned earlier in the episode, I had a slight temper loss trying to mess about with the Wii U. Um, this morning and how antiquated and, and crap that whole system is now so we were going to be playing Zelda Twilight Princess next time however um, we're going to have to push that back because I hate Nintendo but next time which is in two weeks we will be playing Grand Theft Auto 5 so the final GTA game that appears on the, the top 100 list which We've had pretty much all of them, other than uh, GTA 1 and 2, and then 
some of the side games like Liberty PSP City games, and Vice City yeah. Stories. Um, so yeah, that should be quite a quite a good episode because obviously that's a game that's still almost ten years on, still very um, very highly played and highly rated. And I know that you've got mixed feelings about that game from when you played it last time. So, which was which was to be fair, um, nine years ago, now, eight years ago, nine years ago, yeah, nine years ago. Because um, I played it when it just came out, and I wasn't the biggest fan. Um, so it will be checking in to see if uh, I still feel that way. Yes, and then our other game. Do you want to reveal the other game that we're going to be doing this month? Um, I think we'll save that for next time. Cool, but it's a Halloween special. Uh, after it is GTA. a Halloween special and a very special game, so look forward to that. Very Halloweeny. So, yes, as as always, you can get us on the Long and Short of It podcast at hotmail.com, on social media with the Long and Short of It podcast. And if you enjoy this, please share it, please rate it, please follow us, please send us chocolates, all of the, the usual things. Um, now is the time where Dan will put in his mention of Mr. Blobby. Um, do you know what I forgot about it did you imagine imagine God of War 2018 but the protagonist in all those cutscenes with the same voice is Mr Blobby imagine God of War 2018 but instead of it being the world serpent it was the world Blobby there you go that's uh, that's a mental image for you or the final boss being Mr Blobby that's right which it is you know because I've played the game and completed it and I know that it is Mr Blobby and you haven't finished it yet so you'll be really surprised when you get there and find out that what you just said is actually a fact so well I'm looking forward to it there you go the game has just been added to the list for me exactly there we go that's all it needed um, but yeah as always we Blobby escalation we uh, we hope you've enjoyed this episode we'll see you in a couple of weeks time for Grand Theft Auto 5 but in the meantime take care cheerio see you on the next one <laughs>